Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Mayfair Theatre Podcast. A bit of a different format this week. We're going to be joined by a couple of our friends from House of Targ across the street. Hello. Introduce yourself, guys. I am Kevin. I'm Mark. And Kevin and Mark are co-owners of House of Targ. If you're... Along with Paul. Along with Paul. If you're not listening... Some people actually listen from far away, which always blows my mind. Wow. They'll, there'll be Mayfair fans who Hi. live over in the UK or down in the States. They just like listening to our accents. Yeah, our funny <laughs> Canadian accents. If you're not familiar, House of Targ is our neighbors across the street. They are a pierogi pinball rock and roll video game club. Is that correct? Yeah. Is yeah, that yeah. your pitch? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and it's, our little neighborhood has evolved into this great little block where at any given time, Blast Girl Books is doing some kind of highbrow poetry night. You guys got some punk rock band in, and we're playing The Room. And sometimes I'll <laughs> stand outside at midnight on a Saturday night, and it's just buzzing. That's amazing. With yeah. three kind of distinct different crowds who all might interact. Mm. And, and you got Quinn's Pub right next door, too. Yeah. And Quinn's Pub, who often have... For the tiniest pub in the world, often have bands in or open mic nights kind of thing. What's his name? The uh, uh, John Allaire show. John Allaire, once yeah. A month. yeah. And John it's, Allaire and special guests. And Always special has guests. special guests. Sometimes on a quiet afternoon, if you're in our men's washroom, you can hear Quinn's <laughs> next door. <laughs> because once upon a time, and I don't know if there's, you could really build up like a speakeasy urban legend about this. Yeah, no doubt. But there's a door that kind of goes near our men's washroom. It goes down there, and we just kind of keep tools and our posters and our fridges down there. There's a door down there that leads to Quinn's basement. The cold storage room there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've seen that. So there's this weird, we're connected. We're actually connected, (laughs) this weird old building. And our basement where we store our posters is also the basement washroom for the barbershop that's next to us. (laughs) That's right. It's it's this bizarre, weird thing. And then (laughs) we joke about there being a door in House of Targ that will lead under the streets of Bank Street and come into... There probably is. We just need to dig around. Yeah. Yeah. Find it. So we are recording this in April 2017. Mm -hmm. It's Targ's third anniversary either now or soon. Monday. Monday. Oh, coming up very soon. Yes. Oh, my God. I can't believe it's been three years. I know. know. It's amazing. So what what are the secret origins of Targ? Where did Targ come from? Targ started out as a jam space not too far from here. Yes. And then just through time and people needing to dump things, uh, a game ended up there. There's some lore about how that game ended up there, but eventually a game ended up at the jam space. It happened to be Targ, an old Pac-Man-esque style game, but you can shoot your enemies instead of eating power pellet. Right. Or sorry, power up. Well, yeah. kind of, it was Spectre, them. but in a Targ cabinet. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Spectre is actually Targ 2. Oh. Which is uh, a little bit faster than Targ. But, so that game just ended up there, and people started commiserating around it, and uh, eventually other games started coming down, and one of the guys that jammed there happened to be into pinball, and he started bringing in stuff, and then just well, over it, time... It sort, of, it sort of spawned from... Well, Josh needed storage space for his pinball machines, and he had nowhere to store them. So he kind of asked Paul to if he could store them there. And we, and Paul and I were kind of like, well, if we're storing them there, we might as well set them up and we can play them. So we found that all the bands were, that were jamming there were starting to play it. And we were really having a, so that, that target, as we knew, it kind of became a little hangout, right? And a little uh, 
sort of had a little scene going on so we started doing monthly shows there like showcasing the bands and that kind of developed the house of targ series shows which kind of which is once a month every a friday once a month i always come to the defense of ottawa when out of towners when those pesky torontonians call us a sleepy city and i'm always like at any given time i'm going to a roller derby match or a pillow fight league or a great band or if you're into more mainstream stuff there's art galleries and the NAC and hockey and whatever. And I remember going to my first secret underground House of Targ night. Yes, yes. And it just felt like I was the coolest person in the world. Like you <laughs> you go to this undisclosed location, you kind of walk into secret an alleyway. Knock. There's a secret knock. It almost <laughs> felt like there should be one of those little sliding doors with like a password. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go in and it's this small little space filled with whatever half a dozen pinball machines and a couple of video games. And the first time I went was my friends, the Reverb Syndicate, were playing there. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. Like it was just this, such a cool little insider's club. And so then when... A couple years later, when I don't, I don't remember how we first heard, but news first came out that you guys were moving in across the street from us. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it really was that. It was an underground little spot and needed to be because it was completely under the radar. Right. It got developed to the point where we had crowds of people in the parking lot. And that became which that lucky, became an issue. luckily luckily the neighbors didn't complain because I was the one who lived next door. Yeah, <laughs> so Mark, Mark was one of the neighbors, so he, he was able to to smooth over any rumblings that may yeah. have. Uh, part of the catalyst, part of the catalyst for getting the place across the street was the landlord, like from that place and my place, made no sort of he. They they said they were going to plow the place down and build condos and right. So. Paul and I were, were just like, well, we're doing something really cool here. Let's not let that die with plowing the building down. So with both of our backgrounds, Paul within the music scene and myself within like restaurant and bar industry, we decided, yeah, we, we said we can make a really good run at this. If we, if we could find a proper location, enter Kevin. Right. Kevin mm-hmm. brings the location. And what was, it's always a blur when businesses come in and out, but what was in Targ before Targ? It was vacant for quite some time. That's what I thought. Five years. Yeah. All the other businesses in the plaza were using it as storage. Oh, wow. And, and, and garbage dump, basically. It was yeah. pretty filthy down there. But prior to that, it was the new bayou, and prior to that was the underground, and then Sunnyside Sports Bar, and it was a strip club at one time, and it was an IGA before that, numerous That's, different yeah. businesses. Wow, IGA, that's going from... <laughs> yeah, grocery time. store, <laughs> a bunch of, bunch of different things. So the, uh, it was a... A big band club in the 50s. Some pretty cool pictures of the low ceiling and big tubas down there. <laughs> it's so hard to find some photos of this, but we have one photo on our little pre-movie slideshow. And at first it just looks like a nice shot of the Mayfair with a couple people walking by, and it's back when we had the big marquee. So yeah, it would have yeah, been yeah. just the tail end of that, like mid-70s, I think. Somebody, savvy enough, looked at the marquee, and I think maybe even like kind of digitally took a look at it. It was when we were totally a porno theater. Yeah, yeah. And it was one movie's called Bed Bunnies, and one's called... <laughs> devil dolls or something like that so i found these posters on the internet no way and they're not like charming kitschy porn they're like x-rated oh wow full-blown yeah. like one has a tagline about he even seduced his sister like that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah so it's so crazy to think in in this little block we're right around the corner from us is euclid which has rather big nowadays i wouldn't be surprised if they're two million dollar houses mm-hmm. And a school right there, mm-hmm. and a church, a church not too far away. <laughs> yeah. That we were a, a real porn theater, 
and there was a strip club across the street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was going on in that little... It's identity uh, complex in this neighborhood. <laughs> or, yeah, that's true. Like, weird weird identities going on back then. And we're now, it's, it, it's us, and then Black Squirrel Books, which is an indie bookstore, and then WAG, which is a kind of a, a nice highbrow indie pet shop where you can go and have coffee and... Sip lattes with dog hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> so... Uh, that's what you're into. That's yeah. That's what you're into. That's right, that's right, that's right. Are you guys... Is there a, um, a distinction? Were you music fans first or video game nerds first? Oh, wow. I don't think I could really separate those Both. two. So you are... Yeah. You're, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, th- I think that's probably what I've spent most of my life doing. And we're all about the same age, so we are of the age of... Probably like, you know, Nintendo versus Sega when we were younger. Yeah, I fell on the Sega side. Me too. I fell on the Sega side. Same. Oh, that's amazing. uh, A lovely story of proof that I was a nice nerd kid. Nice nerd kid. Is my dad, whatever year it was, 85, 86, couldn't get me the Nintendo for Christmas. Yes. So got me the Sega. And instead of being some... Master System or Genesis? Sega Master System first. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And instead of being some horrible douchebag kid and being like, you ruined Christmas... I took it and was nice and then fell in love with Sega. Yeah. So that's how I became a Sega kid was just that Nintendo was not available. <laughs> I think I was in the same boat. Yeah. That and I had I think, a love of ninjas and whatnot as a child. And you couldn't get Shinobi for the, for the NES. Right. So uh, Master System had Shinobi and uh, the rest is history. And then Sega became, I always thought it was, Sega was one step ahead always. Nintendo would, like Genesis came out first mm-hmm. or the, like everything came out first. And I think they came to a point where they couldn't keep up with the competition. So they're still around, but they just went, we're not going to make a console anymore. Mm-hmm. We're just going to make video games, which was smart, I think. Sonic just had its something make me feel old anniversary, but <laughs> on a Nintendo brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Sonic is in like those Mario racing games now. Yeah, and stuff. for sure. Going to your guys' place on like family night or on like a brunch when there's like kids running around is hilarious. Because I remember arcades, like an arcade on Bank Street, north of the Queensway. And I remember being in there when I was like 13 or so, and being like, I shouldn't be in here. (laughs) (laughs) They were a different breed back then. I remember being around 13 years old, going into my first Mr. Arcade, and it's dark blue carpet, heavy, heavy blacked out curtains on on the windows. Yeah. The jukebox just pounding, all the games screaming loud, and definitely feeling small. And yeah, uh, and it, I don't know if I should be in here. Like this is evil or dark or quickly that gets dispelled. But yeah, definitely felt cool as you described uh, Targ earlier. Yeah, it's like walking into this I like, think underground. You still see that? Like that's one. Of, that was one of the the concerns that I kind of had with uh, when we started doing family days. It was like, is that arcade feeling? Like when we went to arcades as kids, you know, the big guy, like the flashy machines and all that stuff, and we ran around like because we we didn't really have the access to the consoles until sort of later. But then it was like I was wondering if the kids nowadays were going to sort of be desensitized or whatever, and it wasn't going to be a big deal to them. But then. I remember one of the first days we did a family day, and I'm looking at the kids, and they're running around, and they're hanging off their parents to get quarters and stuff, and they're all doing the big eyed and, and running around. I'm like, so it's not lost that sort of... No, not at all. Yeah. And they engage with it on... You'd think they'd dispel it or go, like, because they're used to pretty serious graphics, but yeah. they sit down playing asteroids, and they're yeah. totally locked in. Exactly. Yeah. I think at that level, they 
it's literally the physics involved in the game, and especially Asteroids, it's wonderful, slow to fast movements, but the physics are so much fun that I've watched four-year-olds, five-year-olds get lost in the game. It's amazing. Yeah, they're using the joystick versus your finger on a touch Yeah, screen. with a hundred different buttons, it's literally just a joystick and a button, and they, they totally just eat it up. Well, I think, too, uh, a few years back, there was a lot of concern from our patrons and fans saying, are you guys screwed when the multiplex opens up down the street? Mm. And I was like, I don't know if I'm just being rose-colored glasses at the time, but I was like, I think we're going to be okay. Like, I, I think we don't need to sell 4,000 tickets a night. We don't need to, you know, we have a small audience. I think, I'm sure at least 50% of our audience is local, walk in. Probably. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what's great about this neighborhood. This is a yes. dedicated, oh, yeah. dedicated neighborhood. And when it happened and since then, our business is now better than it's ever been. Amazing. And I think there was a distinct sense of kind of fight the power without being slanderous about it, but like fight the power and people saying, oh, are you going to get La La Land? And we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. we don't know when, but in a couple months. Okay, I'll wait to see it with you guys. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get the, the Disney movies? And we're like, yeah, we always get the Disney movies. Disney's good to us, but we get it three months later. And people are waiting. And I think there's like, people just want to leave the house sometimes, I, I hope. Mm-hmm. Anytime I hear somebody brag about a home entertainment system, I always feel kind of sad because there's this, there's this triangle life that a lot of people lead where they, they work at an office, they go to the mall, and that mall has their grocery store and their movie theater and their shoe shop and right. whatever. And then they go home and play their video games and watch their Blu-rays on their big entertainment system. Yeah. And I think there's a sense of, like, just sometimes you want to leave the house. And it's the same with real more mainstream stuff. Like, you could watch a hockey game at home, but people like to go for the experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what helps House of Targ and Mayfair Theater is people enjoying that. And it's not like a hipster thing, but it's like just enjoying... It's just being out. Being out, yeah. And that's what's kind of cool about... Like you guys and Quinn's already had a bit of a a buzz going on. So we kind of capitalized on that when we moved into the area and just augmented it. And then having Black Squirrel open has done the same. So as you described earlier, it is a nice little buzzing hub here. And as you said earlier, this neighborhood has invested people in it. So as much as I agree, sometimes it's nice to sit at home, there's a lot of excuses to go out in in this neighborhood. Yeah. I love the... Social media can be a pain, but social media at its best, people will say, oh, go into Targ and then go into the Mayfair. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Or on a Sunday matinee, I'll always tweet, if you want to be the coolest parent ever... Go to Targ for pierogies for brunch, and then come see Lego Batman at one thirty, and then go back to Targ. You know, and people enjoying that and commenting on that, and people from out of town who are like, "Oh, I, I live in Montreal, or I live in Toronto, or Vancouver, and I don't have that." And that's a very point of pride. Oh heck yeah! And I've been to in the last couple of years. I was I was in two places. I was in Minnesota, and there was a place which was a really cool town actually called I think it was called Up Down, and it's an arcade bar. And I was in Brooklyn at a place called Barcade. Mm-hmm. And both of those places heard of House of Targ. Amazing. Nice. And because I was just kind of small talking, it was like, oh, my hometown has one of these. And both of them heard of House of Targ. That's amazing. amazing. And I love that kind of, and that's probably just somebody, some video game nerd commented on it or, you know, on Twitter or Facebook. And mm-hmm. That's the good power of social media. That's yeah. the best, yeah. yeah. At its worst, social media is like a horrible annoyance. But at its best. <laughs> oh, it's got everything. Yeah. And so you guys. Do you remember the age of kind of the video game movie starting? I think it was, there was somewhere distinctly it was just a movie. Like Last Starfighter, if I'm correct, wasn't yeah, yeah. based on something. I'm not positive. I think afterwards it might have had a game. I did enjoy that. 
But I remember watching Last Starfighter. <laughs> I thought we were going to go with the Mario Brothers. The Mario Brothers movie, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that one. Or Double terrible. Dragon. And, uh. Double Dragon was great. <laughs> I remember Mario Brothers, and I forget what age I was, but I remember there being this, this sense, like, you know, this is pre-internet. There was a sense that this is going to be the new E.T. This is going to be the new Star Wars. Starfighter? Like, no, uh, Mario, Mario Brothers. Oh, Mario Brothers. People were really excited. Because Mario's was such a good franchise that, yeah. Wow, yeah, the movie stunk. Yeah, yeah but I remember, like, before it came out, people doing the math. This game has sold this many mm-hmm. units, and that many people are going to come see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just a monumental flop on every level. Like, like sometimes <laughs> a movie is a flop, but it's still good, or gets a cult following. It was it was not good. Nobody liked it. It didn't even really follow the game at all. Like, it no. has it, no there's plot. A, there's a whole <laughs> history of, what were they thinking yeah. comments when these movies come out. And they keep making them, though, which fascinates me, because... There's a lot of clueless people with money. Yeah, and they think, oh, it's done well there. And for, like, 20 years now, because... Double Dragon wasn't a hit. Street Fighter wasn't a hit. I guess Mortal Kombat must have been because it garnered some sequels. So. I think the soundtrack drove the movie more than the movie. That's right. The Motor Kombat, I remember Mortal that. Mortal Kombat soundtrack had some, some good tunes on it for the time. Yeah. And I think that was more the driver for that movie. Probably. Than... I remember Mortal Kombat because it had Christopher Lambert, a white French guy, <laughs> playing... I, like a Japanese character, I guess. <laughs> Playing uh, Raiden, yes. Raiden, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs> that's, that's weird. Oh, it would not be allowed nowadays. <laughs> no, no. Like, that's not cool. But now it keeps going because recently there was, I mean, this is more like a home console thing, but like Assassin's Creed. I, just, I saw that. I actually enjoyed it. I think the technology, though, lands better. Like, yeah, like, exactly. If they were to remake Mortal Kombat today with CGI the way it is, I, it it wouldn't be anything like it. It'd be a different animal. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Completely different. I think it might actually be good. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys get new... Are there new video games still? Arcade video games? Is there like a new Mortal Kombat or a new... Or are things a bit more retro in that sense? We video tend games. to look at the retro, but definitely there's new video games, but not as much as in the pinball world, it seems. Yeah. yeah. Pinball still focuses on movie releases. On pop culture, but, pop culture, it, but it tends to be a little more pop culture based. Whereas console seems to have taken over the video game market, I can't. Yeah. I can't think of any. Releases. I think the video game. Well, the, like the, if I'm thinking of the most recent ones, they're like sort of big units that you sit in, like you know, like there's like right. Jurassic Park ones, or like you know, and you're sh- with the shooting with guns and stuff, but giant screens in and like sort of a 360 sort of feel. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or the racing games and stuff like that. Something that's I think a little bit more interactive. In on when you're sit, you're sort of submerged in the game. Yeah, I was really naive a couple years ago that they were still making new pinball, and it was before you guys were around. There was a pinball convention that was maybe like one or two years old. It was out near the airport, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And like, and I walked in, and I ex- I expected to see Kiss or Ghostbusters or something, but there was Family Guy, and and there was right. a a Tron Two, which at the time was relatively new, and I didn't know they were still making them, but. Yeah, I guess there was still a market for bars having one... Yeah, bowling alleys, bars. Bowling, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. There's only one major manufacturer right now of pinball machines. Yeah, There's a couple really. of small startup companies that are revamping old machines, like Jersey Jack, for example, or Dutch Pinball. But uh, Stern is the last remaining big guy. And you guys, you self-repair some stuff sometimes? Like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and that's amazing. Like that, The same as, like, we... 
had it was there was no choice. Everybody, 35 millimeter went extinct. Everyone went to digital. So we really had no reason to keep our projectionist. Mm-hmm. And when we had our meeting with them, they were like, we were surprised we lasted this long. So it was all very amicable. <laughs> but it's kind of sad. It was like th- this, this profession that lasted 100 years. And right. now one of our old projectionists is now our technician. And he makes sure the, the video projector runs well and everything like that. But it's the same with a pinball machine repairman. Like you would think in the 70s, it must have been busy. Definitely. And now, you know, there's, I guess, a couple bowling alleys in town that have stuff or... But there's no traditional arcade. Like, you guys are, we are serve food and have bands. Yeah. yeah. But, well, okay, traditional arcade where you just walk in and there's games. Yeah. I can't think of that at all. They, they, there's, like, Midway has an arcade, quote-unquote, but they also have... Fun Haven has... Like, yeah, they, they're yeah. more like the X meets an arcade, for right. example. Yeah. Whereas we, we were a music venue first, and the only reason why we went into food was to facilitate the, the, yeah. the requirements of the liquor license. The pinball and arcade machines were going to be, like, original thought was going to be like an atmospheric type thing like it was just going to be a wicked atmosphere but they've quickly developed into something that's like its own entity like the whole arcade world for us just took off we get dedicated arcade customers or dedicated pierogi customers or music right. customers and it, it's nice having those those streams yeah and as i walked in i don't know how it happened but i've become a dig dug guy you were playing it yesterday. <laughs> and I, I was going to say, hey, yeah. but you were right into it, so I just let you lift I walked in the other day or a couple weeks ago, and your, your sit-down dig-dug was broken, yeah. and your stand-up dig-dug was broken, and I was just, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was like, take it back. We got the one fixed pretty quickly. We had a couple yeah. of complaints. And then Gwen last night, she had a bit of a heart attack because Targ was in the place of her racing game. Oh, yes. Oh. And, and for a second, she was like, what? No. And I was like, maybe it's around. And she found it, so everything. Yeah, we just but moved it. it's funny how people find a game. And now with Dig Dug, Dig Dug has a low score. Like, it's not, it doesn't go into the millions easily. Mm-hmm. So my high score now, which is still there, but for some reason, my name gets replaced. It's, it goes to Lee. Interesting. I've noticed that my score, Weird. anyhow, 70,300, has stayed on there for a couple weeks. Yeah. But... Unless there's some guy named Lee who matched me for some reason. But I noticed Lee is like the go-to fake name on that, on mm-hmm. the Dig Dug. If, if, it's, if there's like five no high scores or whatever. Yeah. So anyhow, I looked it up out of curiosity. And I thought I'd be nowhere close. But on the Twin Galaxies yep. list, I'm in the top 30. Oh, no way. And <laughs> so I'm unofficially like the 27th best Dig Dug player in the world. <laughs> but the funny thing is, the leap... So the oh, oh yeah the number okay. one player is four million points. Holy moly! Which is an eleven-hour game. Holy cow! My games are like twenty-five minutes at yeah. seventy thousand points, yeah. and that just means. And I've learned this from a really good documentary we screened a while back that you guys were nice enough to give us some coupons for and stuff mm-hmm. called Man vs Snake, mm-hmm. where when you play those marathon games, the Man vs Snake record is like forty-eight hours. So you play up to ninety-nine lives. You go take a nap for 20 minutes and go to the bathroom. It goes back down to like 50 lives or 60 lives. And then you return and go, and that, that's how you play it. Amazing. So you can go and like take a bathroom break or eat. And it, but it's just this marathon. And I'm never going to get 4 million. But now somebody, a friend of mine said, oh, you should make it official. But to make it official, I thought maybe just one of you guys could witness it or give it a thumbs up. But it has to be video recorded. Yeah. It has to have no music in the background. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm never going to do that. I'm never gonna, like. <laughs> One of our technicians who goes 
way back, he's been fixing games for 30 years, would do just that. He'd be in the arcade and he'd be playing his game. He'd be up to like seven or eight free men or seven or eight extra balls. And he'd want to have a smoke or he'd need to go to the bathroom. Or yeah. he'd walk out and say, hey, little kid, you can play this game while I'm gone. He'd come back and boot the kid out of the way and continue playing. Still like lost maybe half his lives or something, but <laughs> I've never been that good. No, and there's some games like by mistake on free play night, I played Donkey Kong Jr., for a round, yeah. it's impossible. And you see people with high scores on that. And one of your guys, I was talking with other Josh, your, your Remy Royale, one yes. of your, your wizards, and he was like, you have to, that has to be a full-time job. Like, the guy who got $4 million on Dig Dug, he's not watching a TV show or reading a book or going out <laughs> to see a band. Like, he's, <laughs> he's playing Dig Dug. That's true. And another documentary we had called The Ecstasy... He goes everywhere with a bicycle pump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, the Ecstasy of Order, and it was all these Tetris world champions. And it, it, the movie was more exciting than any, like, sporting event. It was so tense. <laughs> but these guys, that's all they did. Like, they showed them. They, they went to school or went to work, and then they came home. And the same way that someone might go home and watch a couple TV shows or play a board game with their friends, they just played Tetris for four or five hours. They're practicing. So it's like playing piano. Like, I could learn to play piano. I don't really want to, but if I started tomorrow mm-hmm. and practiced an hour a day for a year... I'd know some piano at the end of it. You'd be pretty good. Yeah, and so that's why I'm, I'm, that's why I'm the 27th best Ding Dug player in the world, <laughs> is because I just play Ding Dug all the time. And I, I went on, on Josh's recommendation, I looked on YouTube, and there's like lessons. And I and actually learned stuff. I was like, oh, and I learned how to do different things. And Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised, actually. There's a tutorial for just about everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the best, what's your guys' favorite band you've gotten in so far? What, what was the biggest get? Because what surprises me is you might... If you're naive to the way bars work, you might think you guys have a lot of Ottawa guys or Toronto guys, but you've had some really far away visitors. All over the place, yeah. Like it, some from like overseas, right? Japan, Japan, Australia, Germany. That's crazy. England. That's a long way to come. I guess when they come, they kind of hit a bunch of different places. And I think, yeah. Make well, a tour they're not out of exclusively it. coming to us, yeah. but um, it's nice that they, they poke their head well, in. Well, hope, the hope is like. A lot of these touring bands are always, they're constantly hitting up Toronto, Montreal and skipping the Ottawa stops. So we're, right. we're, ho- we're hoping that that's sort of getting us on the map. And, we're, and it seems like there's a couple bands that would have, that I've really enjoyed, like the Interrupters or Planet Smashers, and that probably wouldn't have played Ottawa, I don't think. They might have had Mavericks or something, but mm-hmm. they, they generally just do the Montreal, Toronto. So it's been some, re- that, that's been one. One of my favorite shows has been the Interrupters. When Barry Morris was doing lots of shows, there was an excuse to come, larger bands, because they have a a large capacity. But then they kind of went hiatus for for some time. They seem to be doing the odd show now, but they're still not involved in it. And then we're we're not the biggest venue, but we're we're quirky, strange enough that for some reason these bands want to play here. (laughs) My favorite show, well, my favorite day at at Targ was I got married here, and then we had our ceremony, or we had our party at Targ. And it's... That was the first that spawned a bunch more after. I I just... I tell people about our wedding. And we were very laid back about it. Like, we didn't... We didn't set up tables. We didn't do whatever. So what we did is here we did all our speeches. We did backwards. We walked down the aisle, did our speeches here, got married here, and then went across the street to Targ and had kind of a pierogi slash potluck thing. And our friend, the Reverb Syndicate, played. And we had all the games on free play. And it was amazing. And now it's been a couple years and people still are like talking about how awesome that was. That was just like this amazing day. So forever I am intertwined with Targ. Mm, And I love that. 
my favorite show I've seen there was CJ Ramone. Because yeah, that was super cool. I love the Ramones. They're my favorite band. And I'm just young enough that I kind of missed out on seeing them here. Like, I know somebody, either my age or a bit older, who saw them at... I saw them twice, at Carleton University and at Barrymore. Yeah, and I was either just... I just missed them, too. I, just a little too young for that. I just missed them as well. Or I was just of the kind of geeky junior high, early high school age where I wasn't quite going out and doing things mm-hmm. yet or something. Mm. And it just when I hear people have seen them, I'm I'm so jealous. Gwen teases me that she knows my like three time machine wishes, and one would be to go see the Ramones at like CBGBs. That's what I was gonna say. Which era Ramones? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So seeing CJ is the closest I'll ever get to seeing the Ramones, and it's always a bit of hesitation when you see an older comedian or when they get the band back together for a TV series, like they're about to do with Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. There's always a bit of a like, oh, I don't know. And CJ was so for a punk rock dude, was so lovely and so yeah, he was. He was genuine super. in his love of the music. And I really liked his new stuff. And it was so nice because it could have easily been that, you know, that kind of cliche of some... Trying to hold on to the... Yeah, yeah. some third-tier Star Trek no, actor at a convention. Vibe. He like, didn't have an ego about any of that no, stuff. Yeah. No, it didn't have the vibe. And it was quite... Again, I totally agree. It was, it, was, it was quite surreal for me because I'm, like, just sitting there going, you know, that's the stage we built with our own hands. And there's, yeah. a, there's a Ramon standing on the stage playing it. Yeah. Like, and then I remember just leaning back, looking at Kevin, just going, dude, there's a Ramon... <laughs> playing in our bar like, yeah and he, he insisted on playing there we didn't have to cajole that or or, or anything oh, yeah. like he heard through the booking company that if you're going past ottawa this is where you have to play and he pointed out after the their set when we were all shut down he hung out for a while and, and just shot the shit with us which was super cool oh, some yeah, of yeah, the absolutely. stories oh man he was saying that they like to isolate the one or two venues on a tour that are really small and intimate because CJ and I'm sure lots of people like doing that it's, it's, it's a different vibe when you're playing such a small oh, yeah. small venue and especially our stage we have for you're the, already uh, you're in the for crowd the audience yeah. listening uh, our, our, our ceiling is only seven in, seven foot two inches and to, to have a stage in there which is just like maybe two inches tall you're 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 face to face with whoever's on on the stage so oh yeah and and having a ramon spit on you <laughs> yeah he, he had he had mentioned he was emailing the record company and he was going to put in a good word saying this is the kind of like exactly what kevin was saying that he's like this is one of those venues play it it's smaller but it's worth it and and like we, we don't we're a, a venue that's run by musicians right so, yeah. so to uh to an extent, it's kind of like just having another mate come by when, when they're on stage. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a bit of, of starstruck stuff, of course, from time to time. But for the most part, it's just, hey, bud, how you doing? And I think they like that. Well, it's like that show and then kind of speaking of a smaller venue, it's like stand-up comedy. If you go to see Jerry Seinfeld in a 20,000-seat arena, mm-hmm. you, I think you're kind of missing. Even the comedian, I've heard them say, it's hard. You can't read the audience as well. You can't play off them. You can't, you know. Yeah. And so when you guys had Neil Hamburger a little while back, mm-hmm. seeing this guy who his persona is so a awkward. washed up like <laughs> Vegas comedian yeah. in a smaller venue. It's the right kind of venue. Oh, for it was him. amazing. Absolutely. It was really good. And it's hard to explain him to people, but I was like, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And you watch it and it's just this, if you didn't know, you would think that's him. 
And it was like, so seeing something like that, it was incredible to see in a nice small venue. Like, imagine if somebody just walked in that night and didn't know who Neil Hamburger was. They would have thought it was this Some weird... Some MC for the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah just... comedian. <laughs> He's great. What's coming up for your third anniversary party? Mokamakai. Metal. Heavy metal? Heavy metal. There's some nights where I was teasing Josh where... Classic I'll... hairspray style heavy metal. Priest metal. I'll be changing the marquee. They're a, fun, they're, a, they're, a fun, they're a fun band. Like eighties kind of. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I'll be changing the marquee, and I will either a hear Josh tell somebody his pro, their progies are up. <laughs> just just on the wind. That's just when we have here. our door open. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's or hear awesome. Or hear like the band. You know, if it's like one of those kind of, you'll just hear because people are always kind of coming in and out and smoking right. outside or whatever. It's hilarious to just hear Josh go like. Your pierogies are ready. Just on the wind. Kind of going <laughs> That's <out>. amazing. <laughs> so we're kind of running out of time. As I, I kind of joked with these guys before that this podcast has become just sitting around and chatting for half an hour. What were we talking about again? I don't know. I forget. <laughs> movies and targets. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> But, so I will just quickly mention the movies we have this week. We're, we're recording this in advance because of Easter weekend. We know what movies are coming next week because all the distributors are closed down and everything. So, coming up the week of April 21st through 27th, we have a couple of what I always call grown-up movies. One called The Zookeeper's Wife and Maudie. And we have a sci-fi film called Life. We have Wilson with Woody Harrelson. Our retro kids club movie of the week is The Bad News Bears. Nice. Which I put an asterisk and put a link over to the IMDb ratings code because it's a PG kids film. There's a lot of swearing in it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's weird to see what is PG in 1970s versus PG now (laughs) because we found a trailer and we're... Glad that we watched it, because in the trailer, with the Paramount logo at the beginning and everything, a kid drops the N-word. What? In the trailer. Amazing. And it's just, and there's this one scene in the movie where it's this angry little kid, and he's like, he's like, oh, we have these people and these people and these people and girls on the team, and it's just this, he's a horrible little kid. Yeah. But I was like, how did Paramount let that be in the trailer? Like, I imagine that trailer playing in front of Pete's Dragon or something back in the day, but... <laughs> So that's our kids' club movie with an asterisk that they're swearing in it. And then we have our monthly screening of Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is accompanied by a live shadow cast. So it's like kind of seeing a live play while you're watching the movie. Oh, cool. And then Train Spotting 2, which is confusingly called T2 Train Spotting, which I don't know why they why did, did that. They do that? Because all of us nerds already know another movie called T2. <laughs> you don't even have to be a nerd to know that yeah. movie, T2. So it's weird that they didn't call it Train Spotting Subtitle or Train Spotting 2 something, but. Or Train Spotted. Yeah, it's strange, but it's, it's an example, kind of speaking of CJ, of a the band getting back together 20 years later. Mm, and actually being good. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. And it's the same director, Danny Boyle, who yeah. since Train Spotting has. Won an Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire. I like him because he is one of the most diverse filmmakers. Like, he did a movie called Millions, which is a kid's movie about kids who find a bag of money. Mm-hmm. He did 20 Days Later, a zombie-esque movie. He's done Steve Jobs, a biopic. Mm-hmm. So I like how diverse he is. And so 20 years later, they had an idea to get everyone back together, and it's all the same actors. It makes you feel old if you remember watching Trainspotting <laughs> 20 years ago. And all the guys look fine, but you look at... You look at Ewan in that iconic poster from Trainspotting, mm-hmm. and he looks 12 years old. And you look at him now, and he looks 45 years old, <laughs> and you're like, 
oh, did I look that different <laughs> 20 years ago to now? Like, I don't look at pictures from that time. No, yeah, yeah. So that's our week of movies from the 21st to the 27th. You can find information online. What train spotting playing? Train spotting is playing Friday the 21st and then Sunday and Monday, all the 9 o'clock shows. Cool. So just three screenings for now. Sometimes weeks happen where we get an abundance of riches, so we can only fit in things for a certain amount of days. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's when I'm... That's a good lineup for movies. What I, I always like is, and probably you guys have this too, where you, you look at a week, and I look at this week, and I'm like, wow, we've got a couple movies I can bring my mom to. We've got a movie based on an underground comic book. We've got a, sci- a mainstream sci-fi movie, a 1970s Bad News Bears Rocky Horror, and Trainspotting 2. It's eclectic. And so anytime people say, every once in a while people say, oh, there's nothing to see. And I always, I'm like, no, there's always something to see. If you don't like mainstream stuff, or you don't like, if you don't like Trainspotting 1 for some reason, you can come see Life. Or if you want to see something a bit more older, you can come see Bad News Bears. And it's the same with you guys, I'm sure, where one night you might have a reggae band playing, and the next night you have a pop band, and the next night you have a heavy metal band. Pretty much. You ever get noise complaints, or you guys... We actually receive flowers. Oh, yeah? And <laughs> in, in about three months after we opened, the gentleman that lives with his wife and his elderly mother-in-law, immediately behind our building, he has been there for a number of years and seen everything come through. At Christmas time, he came in with a giant bouquet of flowers and thanked us up and down about running such a tight ship and never having to hear or call bylaw or, or, or nonsense Use your imagination oh, happening yeah. in the alleyway. None of that stuff takes place under our watch. We did all that when we were younger. So yeah. we, we got it all out of our system. But um, So yeah, no complaints at all. Nothing but actual compliments, which is ironic given that it's us running the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel this everyone's while the same thing. I remember somebody saying that no matter how old you are, you kids think grown-ups know what they're doing. And I have friends with kids, and I have friends with kind of real grown-up jobs. Mm-hmm. And I've been on, when I worked on movies more, I've been on some film shoots where I've witnessed a camera crew standing around a broken camera, just sweating, not knowing what's going on, <laughs> you know. And I feel that now, where I'm helping running a successful independent business. But I didn't go to school for this, and I don't know the rules. And there's sometimes someone will ask a question about you know, some city paperwork thing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I could learn that, but... Yeah, I, I hear yeah. you. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm the grown-up. Today, right before you guys got here, one of our staff who's in film school snuck in this morning to film here. Mm-hmm. And they changed the marquee, and they filmed around here and stuff. So it was a bunch of 20-ish-year-olds. And I always forget that I am... Now, I am in my early 40s. Mm-hmm. And I'll be talking to them, and I'll just talk to them like people. And then I realize a seat in their eyes. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Oh, I'm a grown-up. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're making sure everything's cool. They're, they're making sure yeah. they're not bugging me. And right. I'm like, oh, weird. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know when that happened to you, but I've certainly felt that. And you guys with colored hair and earrings and <laughs> tattoos are the grown-ups. <laughs> I know, it's, yeah. it's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that shift. Uh, okay, well, thanks for dropping by, guys. I'll do this again in a couple months with a couple other tired guys and get some stories. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah, bring us and in. Always an ongoing excuse to drop in. And, and uh, yeah, so do go visit House of Targ anytime you're dropping by. Come uh, by Monday. If, when is this being broadcast? Um, I'll put this up next week, actually. So I'll put this up next, like, Wednesday or Thursday. Go online and watch all of the shenanigans from, uh, the, yes. from YouTube <laughs> from our, our anniversary on Monday the 17th. Yeah, and there'll never be a shortage of cool things to go check out at Targ, so do check them out. Thanks again, guys. I'll drop by soon and beat that 
Dig Dug High Score. Absolutely. Keep bringing by free popcorn. For sure. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Rogan had a dream. You really are leaving here, aren't you? To be as far away from here as possible. You get your chance. When it comes, you gotta grab it with both hands. It started with a game. You gonna bust the record. But it wasn't just any game. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And then, one night... Centauri's the name. We have to talk about a matter of utmost importance. Step into my office. I've seen him come and I've seen him go, but you're the best, my boy. Light years ahead of the competition. Hey. Alex didn't find his dream. Hey, look out! Oh, dear. His dream found him. Where are we? Welcome to Rylos, my boy. A world on the brink of destruction. You were recruited by the Starling to defend... To defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Of all the life forms, on all the planets, in all the galaxies. Oh my God! One has been chosen. Alex Rogan. Alex? is the last starfighter for every earthling who's ever imagined traveling beyond the stars maybe there is a starfighter left i love you alex rogan comes the unforgettable story of one who made it the last starfighter <laughs> <laughs> 